are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seconds left, he's got the ball, he should have it. Isaiah hangs out of the ball, flips it up to the Raptors. Detroit is the city of champions again. Detroit Basketball! What's happening? Welcome to the Locked On Pistons Podcast. Your episode for Friday, September the 25th. Fridays with Brian a little bit later on. This is your boy Matt Schiff, the host of the Lockdown Pistons podcast, a sports writer here in Detroit City covering sports gambling for PlayMichigan.com, a Pistons fan and follower my whole life, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thanks for spreading the word about the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Appreciate you guys doing that. Today is Fridays with Brian. We'll be talking with brother Brian about NBA basketball. What are we learning about the Nuggets and the Lakers as this series possibly heads to the finish line, although we know not to write off Denver at this point. We're also going to talk about, are the Heat the 2004 Pistons? I know you've been seeing that around social media lately, and I thought Brian had an even better point about the Heat and the Pistons that uh, I'll let you uh, hear what he has to say on that. But give me a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore for that. Also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account, and check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash. Matt Shook. But Thursday, I got a text first thing in the morning from Doc Joe Brown. And uh, Joe must get up really early. I know he's got the the, the life with the, the daughter, so that's probably part of it too. But uh, one of those early risers, certainly not me, but uh, pointed out about the, the gambling compulsive show that we've had and some of the other things we've talked about this summer. It's been a tough time at times for all you guys for uh, here in Michigan and, and for me personally as well. Um, and I said, he said, yeah, some relatively heavy stuff that's going on there, man. I said, yeah, we've had some heavy episodes lately. I promise we'll, we'll not do much of those maybe anymore for a while, but soon after I got another text and well, we, we've got to do one more heavy one today. I'm going to talk about my friend, Jim Weimer. Uh, Jim came to Port Huron in the late 1970s as a young man from Grand Rapids. He figured you might be there for a while working for the Times Herald newspaper and maybe move on to the next place. Well, it was about 34 years later that uh, eight years ago that Jim retired from the Times-Herald. I was like Jim, too, in 2005 when I graduated from Central Michigan, um, except I did leave after about four and a half years after working under Jim at the Times-Herald in the sports department there for the newspaper. I went to Springfield, Missouri from there. I figured I'd be maybe in Missouri for a couple years Maybe after that, like stop over like a bigger paper in you know like the Midwest somewhere like a a Cincinnati, Indianapolis Star, Louisville, something like that. Cover some major college teams there. Maybe stay with Gannett and before maybe decide to come back, take a major beat at the Detroit Free Press. Maybe a column if I want, um, or maybe I decided to, to be national at that point and go write for ESPN.com, or maybe I'd just be hosting like a national radio show. At that point, you know, something like that. Um, well, obviously, none of that stuff happened for me, but but I am here back now. But I look at a guy like Jim, and you think about those kind of different decisions that were made in his life and in my life, and just the remembrances on Facebook that he's getting. I never spent more time on Facebook than I did on Thursday, uh, maybe ever, just reading everyone, a lot of folks that I know, friends of mine, um, people that I've heard, know, kind of know, that they're not friends, I know, or I know their names, people in the Blue Water area, the Port Huron area, 
that that know Jim and uh, sending out their best wishes to the family after his passing overnight on Thursday. Um, just he's just one of those guys that had a 100% approval rating in the community, which, which you never get anymore. And uh, Jim uh, battled cancer for, for several years. Um, and like Tony Paul said in the Detroit News in his column that he wrote, which went online on Thursday, a brilliant tribute to Jim. Jim cared about every single story. Uh, and I thought that his opus was kind of near the end of his career at a time when I was still working at the Times-Herald with Jim. Uh, the executive editor told him at the time, uh, we're gonna, we have to do a Rex page. We have to do a whole single uh, entire newspaper page once a week um, on Wednesday or whatever it is. Uh, you got a feature story about the rec- recreational sports every week. You got to get results on there, a bunch of names on the paper, maybe a calendar of what's coming up. Um, 52 times a year, just come up with a feature story about something that wouldn't normally be written about otherwise in the sports section, which normally focuses on whether it's the minor league hockey team, the prep sports in the Blue Water area, or maybe even the Detroit teams to a lesser extent. The younger guys, the rest of us in the newsroom and the sports department, we just looked at each other like, I, I can't help you here, Jim. I mean, that's all you, man. I don't know what we would write about 52 times a year for a feature story about uh, recreational sports, and he did it. He knocked it out. He crushed it because he had that Rolodex. He could call thousands of people in the Blue Water area and and ask them around for stories. And every week it was like he came up with something that I never would have thought about because he knew everyone and he cared about these types of stories. The racquetball leagues, uh, you know, some guys got a a clay court up in Lakeport and they do uh, a tennis tournament every spring. We'll just go do a story about that. Um, he's pulling out all these old contacts of people he knew up in the Thumb, Sanilac County, of course, all over St. Clair County into northern Macomb as well. Sailboat races, youth flag football results that get faxed in that someone's got to type up, the Little League stuff. Um, just so many names in the paper all the time in the Times-Herald. It's what this guy was all about. It's why he touched so many lives. Um, I'll never forget uh, the few times when I was growing up and I was in the Daily Tribune. Uh, he was that for so many people in the Blue Water area who were coming up as kids. And I told the the quick anecdote on Twitter on Thursday, if he was covering a high school football game and some running back rushed for a bunch of yards, you better believe that the next day on Saturday you're going to be reading about the five names of the offensive linemen in the paper who cleared the way for those yards and probably the tight end, probably two or three of the backups who were uh, rotating in at center and right guard as well. He probably noticed them, made sure that they got – in the paper as well with the right spellings from the coach. Sadly, you look around, if you know anything about the media landscape and newspapers, there aren't a lot of Jim Weimers anymore who serve a community for multiple decades and know everyone in every town. Uh, My favorite line from Tony's piece that he did in the Detroit News, because it rings so true to me, is that every school in the Blue Water area, and there was like over 20 uh, schools that we covered, probably closer to 30, Um, Every single school thought that they were Jim's favorite school because he had a great relationship with the athletic director, the longtime coaches, some of the best athletes over the years. I mean, today newspapers are a shell of themselves. You know, the parent companies have gutted them. And um, hopefully some things in other ways, or maybe there's some resurgence of journalism at some point. Who knows? But hopefully some other ways come along to give young people that feeling of accomplishment, their little small brush with fame that you feel from getting your name in from the little league results or whatever it is. 
I mean, Jim provided that for so many people in the Blue Water area, and I'm sad that that type of archetype of what Jim Weimer represented is gone. And, and personally, I mean, you'll just never meet a better guy than Jim Weimer. Uh, I'll never have a better boss than Jim Weimer. Me and my good friend Paul Costanzo, who worked under Jim like I did, uh, we went to college together as well. We have always laughed about this, and it's and it's not even like a funny joke, but it, but to us it is because it's something that we realized. It's not something we realized after the fact. It's something we knew from day one. About I mean I worked there for four or five months before Paul. Uh, I called him up and I said, "You got to come to Port Huron. You'll love working for this guy, Jim." And it's just a joke between me and Paul about how lucky we are to have worked for this guy and how great of a guy he is because you you meet him for a minute and then you know that this is just a guy you're going to like, that this is a guy that nobody could dislike. And, you know, here I am 15 years later and I the love and appreciation that I have for Jim Weimer only grew over those years and it and it was very high from day one, I promise you that. As a worker, you know, Jim, he organized the workflow of the sports department in a way that made it easy for you as a young guy coming out of college, for me as a young guy, not you, uh, to get going when you started, to, to get your feet wet. But then he was the one kind of doing the heavy lifting for you in the background, setting your schedule for you. But eventually when you grew into it, he gave you the autonomy to take it where you wanted to go in the job, to gravitate toward the sports that you wanted to write about, the stories that you wanted to do. If you got a fun project idea, let's make it happen. You want to do a column? Sure, go ahead. Uh, you want to start some digital initiative? Uh, let's make sure you get the time to execute it. Um, if you piss a few people off when you write something, he's got your back. If you make a dumb mistake, he's going to soften the blow for you by smoothing it out with your bosses, first of all, and whoever he probably has a half a dozen or more positive interactions with from that school or that entity uh, that they can't stay mad at the Times-Herald because Jim Weimer was that damn good of a guy. Just an incredible guy. I'm going to miss him like crazy. I already do. Um, just a wonderful tribute from Tony Paul, uh, my friend, who I replaced actually in Port Huron for the Detroit News. Check that out even if you've never met Jim. I implore you to do that. I think it's free to read even for non-subscribers, but you should subscribe also uh, in tribute to the legacy of guys like Jim Weimer and particularly to Jim, uh, who, who died overnight on Thursday morning. Um, Jim was 64 years old, survived by his wonderful wife, Patty, the kids, Tracy, Kyle, and Joel, some of my best friends in the world, his grandson, uh, and literally thousands of people like me who will always just laugh. One of these days, um, after we get kind of over this, I'm just going to smile and I'll just laugh when you ask me about Jim Weimer. I'll laugh because I know it was a joke about how fortunate I was to have come across Jim in my career and my life right out of college to meet and get to know a guy like that, become part of his world. I, I knew that at the time. Every day I knew it, and I know it even more now that he's gone, how lucky I was to have known the legendary Jim Weimer. Jim, you'll be missed. I love you. And up next, we're going to talk basketball here on the Locked on Pistons podcast. All right, it is Friday, and you know what that means. It's time for Fridays with Brian, brother Brian Shook, joining us here on the Locked on Pistons podcast. Brian, thanks for taking the time, per usual, late on a Thursday night. Absolutely. It's past my bedtime, but let's do this. Some basketball again tonight, as it is pretty much every night. The Lakers with the 114 
to 108 victory against the Denver Nuggets. That's a 3-1 series out west. One game to go for the win column to get the Lakers into the NBA Finals. Tonight we've got Miami and Boston. That's going to be game five. Uh, Miami leading that one 3-1. Games every day this weekend, 9 o'clock on Saturday night for Los Angeles trying to close out Denver and, of course, Miami trying to close out Boston tonight at 8.30 on ESPN. Sunday is going to be a 7.30 game on Sunday if there is one for the Eastern Conference Finals if uh, Boston can extend that series. But, Brian, uh, we just watched uh, the Lakers get the win, 114-108. to Anthony Davis with 34, LeBron with 26. You know you're going to get their 60 from them. But, interestingly enough, Dwight Howard gets 12 points. Um, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, 13. Kyle Kuzma, 10. Rajon Rondo with 11. Those supporting players stepped up like we know they're going to need to if these Lakers are going to get these last five wins. Absolutely. Um, And I think a name that we're not mentioning that we could talk about is Avery Bradley, who's not there, who could do a lot of help um, defending – Jamal Murray out there, but yeah, those, uh, secondary players, those role players really did step up, uh, for the Lakers and, uh, on both ends and, you know, grabbing offensive rebounds, getting second chance points really, uh, put the Lakers past Denver, but you know, I guess Denver's got them right where they want them at this point. Uh, yeah, play right. that old trope, uh, down three, one. So this series is about to get started. So let's buckle up. Yeah, why not give it another shot? But Jamal Murray, 45 minutes, and he dropped 32 points in this one and eight assists. But uh, I know you've got a Jamal Murray take for us. But first off, I mean, they can't really survive a game where Jokic has 16 points, is in foul trouble. Um, They need – they're so top-heavy with those two, and both these teams obviously are top-heavy with their top two players. Jeremy Grant's having a great series, by the way, and Michael Porter's hitting shots too. But uh, you need Jokic and Murray to be at top form, and Jokic just wasn't quite there tonight. Jokic is kind of a weird player. It seems one game every series he kind of has, and I don't want to call it a stinker, uh, because he's he's still got 16. He filled up the stat sheet a little bit in some other categories. I remember it was last series he had another 16-point game, but he ended up with a triple-double that game as well. But Mm -hmm. for some reason, some nights he just doesn't seem to have the touch or whatever it is to get the ball into the bucket. So... Um, that was his game this series, and now it's going to come down, backs up against the wall, and they've got got to win three straight again. And it still came down to the end. The Nuggets had puncher's chance, uh, three, four minutes left, and, and like you were saying off mic, uh, it, it kind of you saw the difference between uh, number 23 and uh, Jamal Murray out there. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's the, uh, the little bit over the hump he needs to get. Jamal Murray's taking huge strides this postseason. He's become certainly a star. Some people might start taking him into that superstar column, but I think you saw the difference. There were two, I believe they were back-to-back possessions, uh, where Jamal Murray with three or four minutes left in the game was still uh, up for grabs. And and, and I give him credit because he did take it to LeBron and did try to drive on him, um, and he got a lot of contact, couldn't drop the shot, and they didn't give him the call. And I think... That's the difference right there between LeBron and Jamal Murray right there. And you can read into what I'm saying, what percentages the refs followed their whistle and not give Jamal Murray that call. And uh, the talent level where Jamal Murray just didn't quite have enough to close those two plays out. And that turned out to be uh, the differences in the game, I believe. 
Yeah, and looking at the stat sheet here, Paul Millsap plays 17th and gets five. Scary Harris is, isn't. I mean, we need if Jokic isn't going to be there and those guys aren't going to be there. Yeah. Jamal Murray scores 32 without making a three pointer too, oh, wow. which is interesting. LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis combined for 28 free throws attempt, free throw attempts. Yeah, they knock down 24 of those. Just a lot in the equation here. And if Rondo's playing well like he is right now, and uh, and if Danny Green ever gets off the milk carton. Uh, wherever, whatever has happened to his career here in LA. I think he's one of those like every other year players. It seems like I remember when he was the throw-in in the Kawhi deal that everyone thought of his career was over. Then he goes out and has this these this great times. It's like and then he was so great in the finals with San Antonio when they won it all against Miami, and then he just kind of disappears. So I think this is his off year for Danny Green, despite coming in with uh, high hopes in free agency as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to kind of touch on that first name you said there uh, with Rajon Rondo and how different this Laker team looks when he's on the floor. I, they went through, you know, the first couple games of the playoffs without him and and they look like a team that was sort of lost out there. But, you know, having Rondo out there to bring the ball up the court, break some presses and uh, get into the offense and get it started uh, has been invaluable for the uh, Lakers. It's still... He had a couple of shots there at the end, and it's still that jump shot, man. I, he just never got that quite figured out, did he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 I I will say this: we, I think we owe LeBron the GM a little bit of an apology right now. He's taken some shots over the years, but I think we all got our jokes off in the summer when it was Dwight Howard, when it was Rajon Rondo coming back, when it was Javale McGee, when it was Jared Dudley. Like, what what is this guy? You know, like who who does he like watch? league pass from three four years ago after all his games like, where is he getting these guys from is he trying to like start fights at practice like what is going on here and uh rondo is obviously proving him right right now and dwight uh most of the year has been very good i know he hasn't been quite the same guy in the playoffs but for thursday night he was very good and gave him the energy and uh you know was another body on Jokic, which made life tough for him well, and you know, you want to give credit to LeBron, the GM, because that's where the jokes were. But I think that also is a testament to LeBron, the player, and LeBron, the motivator, and LeBron, the leader, uh, to get what he gets out of some of these guys whose tank we may have thought was empty or whose personalities that we didn't think might mesh together. He's able to, you know, kind of rally the troops and get them working towards a, a collective goal. So um, while the question in personnel, I think, is valid. His, his leadership ability is certainly not. Absolutely. And uh, after the break, I'm going to tell you why, uh, first off, that I'm mad at Kendrick Perkins, but then Brian's going to make a, an even better point than that. That's coming up next here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. Got to tell you guys about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. I got some more on the way here to downtown Detroit. The new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. The six new flavors are on their way. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The 12 original flavors, the OGs that you remember from before, the salted caramel, the orange, the peanut butter brownie. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. And almost more important than how good they are is how healthy they are for you. They're great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain the weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet, all the low-carb 
diets that you probably should be doing. Anyway, the flavor profile is coconut almond. I'll tell you about this one particular bar, and I know it sounds good because I want one right now. 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. It's not going to screw up the uh, nutrition for your day. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Yes, sir! All right, finishing off the week here with Fridays with Brian here on the Locked on Pistons podcast. Brian, I saw it kind of blowing up on Twitter. We, we, we talked last week, and we're like, I think both of us were like, I, we kind of forgot to talk about this point that we were making when we were talking privately um, during the week. But uh, Kendrick Perkins kind of blew up my spot because I, I kind of was comparing the heat to the 4 Pistons. I think that's kind of been out there a little bit in the, in circles too, just because – the no superstar aspect of it, the 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 no nonsense guys, a, a deeper team that's going to go at you for 48 minutes, still has all the energy. Obviously, the the 04 Pistons had uh, a great age age distribution. These are guys that were, uh, you know, in their primes or or younger at the time, and certainly Rip Hamilton, as conditioned as he was, uh, he he was in his prime even years after that. Uh, just the way he took care of himself. So they could just keep throwing bodies at you. The players off the bench were relentless, thinking about Lindsey Hunter and Mike James and those guys. But you had a better Pistons kind of uh, allegory when it comes down to the Miami Heat. Uh, so why don't you spin that yarn for us? Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate any reference back to the 04 Pistons, some better times in Pistons history. They still got one more hump to make that comparison uh, valid, and it's going to be a pretty big one. So we'll see if we can get there. But the point I'd like to make, and it should be somewhat upsetting to Pistons fans, is I think there's a direct correlation between the blueprint the Pistons are attempting to do and the Heat have done more successfully. Um, we brought in Reggie Jackson a couple years ago. They bring in Goran Dragic. We're looking for a shooter to draft. We get Luke Kennard. They end up getting Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. And then we bring in a young athletic uh, guy in Sekou, and they bring in Bam Adebayo. And then the final piece of the you know the big picture puzzle is we bring in a, a star that has some on-the-court questions with his uh, injuries in Blake Griffin. They bring in a, a star that has off the court questions and maybe some locker room issues in Jimmy Butler. In each case, they've hit home runs on all their calls where, you know, either the jury is out or it looks a little tenuous in some of the calls that uh, the Pistons have made. So I'd actually throw back to you. Um, has it been a problem with the evaluation of some of this talent and how it worked together or the development of that talent that Miami's been able to do well or at least better than the Pistons, um, which side of that do you think uh, looks like it should be more of an issue for Pistons fans to look at? Certainly a little of both, but I will say more so with the player development and, the, of course, the, the, the famous word about the Miami Heat is culture, right? And uh, you talk about those Pistons players. I mean, there's no uh, complete whiffs on any of these guys, right? Right, I mean, absolutely. Injury issues with some of them, particularly Reggie Jackson. He was supposed to be the star, the, or the, the guy that stirs the drink when they re-signed him to, to a big contract there. And he lived up to it for about a year and a half until the injury started. But I'll, I'll kind of add on further to what you were saying, and the Miami Heat are a team that never bottomed out, right? This isn't a team that went into the lottery and tanked. What they did is they kept working hard. They kept and, – and, and I'll talk about this. The only thing that reminds me about – this heat kind of program 
and uh, really kind of going back to the 04 Pistons, was that I watched a lot of these games from courtside uh, covering the Chicago Bulls for the Associated Press in Chicago. And I can remember a Martin Luther King Day game where Wayne Ellington, this is pre-Pistons when he was kind of rolling with the Miami Heat, it reminded me a lot of Rip Hamilton and that he, how far he ran all over the court and how much of a, a B-I-T-C-H it had to be to cover this guy throughout 48 minutes. And you just had to run mile after mile after mile on the court. It reminded me of Rip back in the day. And I just think that's kind of indicative of how – and I don't know what it is about Miami because you'd think you know the, the, the visiting teams go down, they're going out to South Beach. But what is it about Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra – that has instilled that heat culture. Like to be on that team, you know that you have to be ready to be conditioned, to be a serious athlete, and to just be all about getting better, player development, going down to, to Sioux City, playing in that G League team, getting a little better. Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, and uh, we know all about these guys and the success stories that they've had with the Heat. So I'm going to say more culture, more player development. And for those of us who have been screaming for a couple years about how you don't necessarily have to tank to do rebuilds, to get better. You just have to make intelligent picks if you're picking at 15 and Bam Adebayo type of picks as opposed to, um, you know, Luke Kennard is a good player, but, he, he, you know, you had players, Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo, that went right after him. Hopefully Sekou Dumbuya ends up being that type of player that we look at it four or five years from now. At, wow, they got him at 15. That's a really nice steal there. So I, I think it's – you can't miss when you're picking at the late lottery like that. And I just think it, it this culture that they have, that everybody's coming in in great shape. Everyone's competing. Everyone's playing defense. And I think, of course, Pat Riley, you got to give maybe the ultimate credit for for some of this stuff because he's picking the right type of individuals that are going to excel in these programs. And Dwayne Casey, talking to him after games these last couple of years, he knows that the Pistons perimeter players are getting blown by every single play. And at some point as a coach, there's not all that much you can do about that. Guys are going to get beat off the dribble or they're not. And it's going to happen a lot in the NBA, even if you have uh, the best possible defensive uh, perimeter players, Tony Allens of the world out there. It even happens to the best of them. But if it happens play after play after play, you puts your defense in that kind of position. That's not going to happen with a Pat Riley drafted team, an Eric Spolstra coach team, um, because they kind of go hand in hand. Eric Spolstra has never coached a team in the NBA that wasn't a Pat Riley team. So I think it starts at the top. I think it's culture. I think it's more player development than maybe player evaluation. And uh, I think uh, Pistons and Pistons fans can be watching this team, like you said, with a little bit of uh, regret and a little bit of pain as if we needed more here in the Detroit sports scene. Yeah, well, and let me throw you one last little thing. There's one player that the Heat kind of, you know, swung and missed on a little bit. Um, and all their their styles aren't a lot. The story's kind of the same, kind of a journey journeyman young big who couldn't find his spot and then suddenly developed in the Heat with Hassan Whiteside, and they committed quite a bit of money to him that didn't work out in the end. And I think the Pistons are kind of faced with somewhat of a similar situation this offseason as well. Yeah, do you want to pay the big money for a guy who's good? But, you know, we'll see how the future kind of works out in that regard. So, yeah, I agree um, that the Pistons are looking at those kind of scenarios and maybe another reason to not open up the pocketbook as much as you might uh, expect for a guy like Christian Wood who um, certainly has potential and certainly has earned a big payday. But is he that guy? You know, those maybe those Hassan Whiteside type of 
um, lessons that you can be learning across the NBA. Just because you found the guy, just because you developed and nurtured this guy as a young guy, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be the one that gives him that uh, $50 million, $70 million contract, whatever it's going to take to keep uh, Christian Wood if it's a long-term type of deal. So, yeah, uh, so a lot of parallels here, but uh, we'll see. Do you think the uh, Lakers and Heat close this out these next couple of days and uh, we're looking at NBA Finals early next week? Yeah, I think they seem to be on a collision course for each other. And um, I think the Lakers were a team that we all kind of expected, at least, you know, before the season, certainly before the bubble or the playoffs to, you know, eventually get there, them or the Clippers. And obviously the Clippers fell off. Um, But with the Lakers getting there and the Heat kind of coming out of nowhere. But again, I, I think I've said this at every stop along the way is there isn't anybody playing better basketball right now as a team than the Heat. And that's been the case since these bubble playoffs began. So I think, you know, on paper, everybody's going to kind of, you know, say that this is, you know, LeBron's title to lose. But that Miami Heat team, they each know their roles and they execute their roles to a T. And that's what I think the biggest uh, comparison to that 04 Pistons team comes into place is that's a team that knows exactly who they are and what each of their roles is like the 04 Pistons did. Yeah. Each of those guys that the, the heat run out there have at least one NBA skill and they do that and they go out there and play very well. I'm going to go with the, uh, the underdogs. I'm extending this series, both cases. They're going to go to three to three and two when we reconvene here on Monday morning for the next uh, Locked on Pistons podcast. Well, I guess it would be one more game after that. So, anyway, I'm predicting game five will be won by the uh, the teams trailing the series, and then we'll be playing six games in each of these. That's what that's what I'll throw out there for the weekend. But that wraps up this edition of Locked on Pistons. Thanks again to Brian for helping us out, as he does uh, a lot here on the podcast. We appreciate all his efforts. I'm your host, Matt Shook. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NBA. Have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll talk to you guys on Monday.